Hey, are you here? Yeah. You know, your being here means that you made the choice that these next moments will be spent with us, tuned in to the Paul Leslie Hour. Take it for granted? Not a chance. We thank you. Thank you for connecting with us. You know, it was a simple dream. Your host, Paul Leslie, wanted to talk to interesting people and share those talks with people like you. Now, the first broadcast was October 13, 2003, on a station that is still around today. Oh, the platforms have changed, but it's still pretty much been go, 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 go ever since. And here we are, 20 years later. Hey, we got a terrifically special guest today, Mark Schiff. He's a top comedian. You're going <laughs> to laugh a lot. On a recent trip to Boston, Paul had the opportunity to see him live. Now, Paul remarked that Mark Schiff is one of the funniest comedians he's ever seen. So now Schiff has a book entitled, Why Not? Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah. He also hosts a great podcast called You Don't Know Schiff. <laughs> Mark is a super interesting guy, you'll see. Hey, real quick, you know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour and our ongoing mission of helping people tell their stories. And the way you help is visit www.thepaulleslie.com support. Or instead, you can just subscribe Paul Leslie's YouTube channel. Won't you please? We say thank you, and we mean it. We'll feel very good about this interview with, hey, Mark Schiff. And if we're lucky, you'll feel the same. Now, come on, let's listen together. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a very special occasion today. I have the chance to speak with comedian, author, actor. I've seen him live. He is a dynamo of force for humor when you see him on stage. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mark Schiff. Hello there. Good to see you. Great to nice. see you. Although we never really met, you got a chance to see me. You were sitting in the audience? I was sitting in the audience. With your wife? Yes, indeed. <laughs> and uh, you wrote to me, and that was that was very nice. And and you said some very nice things about my little show there that I did there in front of, was it like 3,000 people? I wouldn't be surprised if there were more than that. Yeah, there might have been. We're talking about, this was at the Wang Theater in Boston. A beautiful theater. My goodness. I thought, anyways. No, it's it's gorgeous. And, and uh, traveling with Jerry, I played the nicest, most beautiful theaters around the country. And also many vaudeville houses that were built in the 20s and the 10s and uh, that hosted every incredible act that ever lived yeah uh, it's an honor we, you know at, at the way i stepped on stage you know bob dylan was just there and i mean everybody wow I, it has to be like a sacred feeling to it really is and then when you, you're downstairs and you look at all the pictures on the wall it's uh the wang theater has a special thing going on there they have a museum yeah Traveling Museum, and they right now they're showing uh, Bruce Springsteen, and then they had Bob Dylan last month, 
and they, they have these beautiful pictures on the walls with things written. It's just really sensational. So tell us, Mark, what has always been the purpose of the art you create? Of the art I create? Yes, sir. That's a that's a uh, that's a terrific question. No wonder I decided to do this. I knew you. <laughs> I knew you were filled with terrific questions. Thank you. So, very kind of you to call it art, and uh, that, that, that's nice. I am strictly, as far as my stand-up is concerned, an entertainer. I only care about one thing, and and I've talked with Seinfeld about this many times. When we started, that we had two jobs in life when we started out to be as funny as we can possibly be and uh, write material. And all we care about is making the audience laugh. Neither one of us have a message to employ. You know, we, we don't, uh, there's no politics. We are old fashioned entertainers that only want the people like you, which happened to leave going, wow, what a show. I feel better. That's Mm. it. That's what the art's all about. I like that. I wish that more entertainers had that kind of philosophy, or if you want to call it philosophy. So do I. <laughs> they all used to have it. Every comedian used to have that, except for maybe Mort Saul or someone who did politics and a couple of other guys. But, you know, every comedian came out and they just were entertainers. You know, we, you paid your bucks. Now, uh, Laugh, you know that's what we we're there to do. I'm not I'm not looking to show anybody how smart I am or how much I've read or no that's that's not my thing. You know some some of the stuff that you're saying here it does make me wonder. What does a guy like you think about the old old time comics like before this era? A lot of people kind of just overlook you know a lot of these guys that are gone, but over the last couple years i've been going back and trying to find old recordings and man some of these guys they were hilarious I what know. Do you think? so um jerry and i are both kind of historians not kind of we're historians about the 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 old uh, comics that came about gilbert gottfried one of the great historians of all time who passed away um on his podcast he had one of the greatest people um those people Pave the way that we can do what we do today. And uh, you ever hear of Rick Rubin, the, the music producer? Sure. Sure. Rick Rubin has produced arguably some of the, the greatest music, uh, you know, in the last 20 years, 30 years. He said when he hires a band, if he's going to work with a band, if they don't know their history, he will not work with them. <laughs> he said then they're probably one album wonders. If you don't know what came before you, and what they did, um, you're probably not going to be worth your weight in salt. Wow. That's what we do. Uh, Jerry's always uh, sending me uh, comedian stuff. I send him. Other people send me this. And they say, uh, and, and uh, if we troll YouTube, it's to look at, you know, the people that were before us. And and, and we watch the new stuff now. You know, I, I watch the new stuff now. I just watched, you know, a couple of uh, new specials on, on Netflix. But yeah, Alan King, Shecky Green, hmm. Buddy Hackett, you know, you name it. Don Rickles. Who's funnier than Rickles, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, just out of curiosity, this just popped into my head. Did you know Freddie Roman? 
Yeah, I knew him well. I worked with him about two years before he died. We did uh, Catskill on Broadway in Florida. Uh, I did it with um, a couple of other people, with uh, Sarge, great comedian, and uh, Jay Johnson was on that tour, I believe. And we, uh, yeah, I knew Freddie well. In fact, he called me a couple, when my book came out, Why Not Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah, out of nowhere, Freddie gave me a call and congratulated me. He was very kind. Freddie yeah. was very big on calling people. He liked yeah. to call people and say hello to them and see how they're doing and wish them the best. What about your life has surprised you? It's a great question, too. Um, you're going to have to stop with the great questions. <laughs> Enough with the great questions. Uh, you know, I was talking to some people the other day that Rich Scheidner, who I wrote my first book with, I Killed True Stories of the Road by America's Top Comics. It has 200 road stories in it. So Rich and I wrote this book, but we both agreed that we have been able to earn a living and not have to take a day job. In 45 years, I've never, yeah, I've never had a boss saying to me, you know, Mark, you're slacky, you know, or, you know, nothing. Nobody ever said to me, Mark, you know, look, you're four minutes late. And, uh, you know, so this has been one of the great blessings. In fact, we were talking the other day. Look, I never got my own sitcom like Jerry. I tried. It didn't work out. You know, um, I didn't become a giant star. But I have worked nonstop for 99% of the time of my career. That is incredibly surprising because almost everyone I started with is out of the business already. Hmm. Wow. It's remarkable, really. Yeah. Comedians are not cut out to work with other people. It's <laughs> it's not in our DNA. We don't uh it's not that we don't like people, we just don't like being around them too much. You know, I probably said this too much on this show, but one of the things that always just fills me with wonder about comedians is that, like, there's a lot of people that you could go and see, and you got a whole team of musicians. You got the band behind you, and they're all, you know, they're a part of it too. And then, you know, you go and you, I always say, you go and see Paul Simon, you're going to want to hear him do Bridge Over Troubled Waters. You're going to want to hear him do Kodachrome and any number of wonderful songs. Uh, but a comedian, like if I go back and I see you in two years or next year or wh whenever, if you do the exact show, although some people can get away with that, uh, you know, I'm going to be like, yeah, Mark did the same jokes. Right. It's a lot of pressure. Tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, with comedians, and and you're right. For the most part, they want you know they they want to see new, but they don't mind some of the the old hits. Right. You know, and any, it's not like the audience is ninety nine percent the same. There's a lot of people in this world that go see comedy, and you know, next time you, you go and you bring somebody that's never seen this person, but they want to see some of the hits, they enjoy that. But at the at the same time, they want to see new, and it's tremendous amount of pressure cultivating new material of 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 high quality right new material. you know iphone you know apple doesn't come out with a new phone every three months you know i mean it's uh you know it's very hard to so 
a lot of comedians now, and God bless them, they'll do a special after special, and it just doesn't have the high quality, some of them, as it as it did before. Because it's it can take years to create a whole new thing. Right. You know, yeah. one word, you know, I mean, uh, again, Jerry Seinfeld will search six, eight months for one word. That's incredible. Yeah. But, you know, on that on that note, when I was observing each of you guys up there performing, I noticed that like you there was like not one beat that felt out of place. There was no like, okay, this part here, this was waste. This, you know, it was just clean. Yeah. We're, we're uh, anti fluff. Yeah. You know, there's no fill. We we don't like filler. You know, 100% meat, no filler. (laughs) You've heard that commercial. So um, everything needs to flow and it needs to be big and boom, 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 boom. You know, we're like Mike Tyson. We're looking to knock you out. We're not looking for you to, you know, just get a little dizzy. Right. Well, I mentioned at the beginning your book, Why Not? Uh, Lessons on Comedy, Courage, and Chutzpah. So t- tell us, a lot of times when people write something, even speaking from personal experience, you can write about something that's seemingly mundane, and then you have a personal revelation. You realize, like, well, I never realized this about myself, but I know now that that's true. Did you have any revelations like that writing this book? Really good question. But my wife doesn't have good questions like you. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so I wrote the book. I started writing uh, these essay stories for a Jewish newspaper called The Jewish Journal. And then when COVID hit, um, I decided not to eat and put on weight and watch TV. Uh, I knew that I wasn't going to be doing stand-up for a while. I didn't know if it was going to be six weeks, six months, eight months, you know, and end up over two years. I said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to write. I think I have a book here. And I, I, I wrote. I wrote six hours a day, five hours a day. It was quite extraordinary. So one of the revelations is um, as I get older, I'm more and more focused. This is actually uh, incredible to me because a lot of people, as they get older, they get, you know, they're like less focused. And I, my, my uh, focus was unbelievable. I, I'm Jewish. I'm proud of being Jewish. And I didn't realize how deeply um, proud I was. And because there's a lot of Jewish stuff, not in my stand up comedy. I, I do do Jewish shows, you know, for organizations. Right. But in my secular shows, I don't, I don't talk a lot about it. Um, but in this book, I really dig deep, and I was amazed and uh, how utterly important it is to me to follow my faith. You know, I go to I go to synagogue all the time, and uh, I'm a believer in God. So uh, I found out a lot about myself like that. You know, when you writing uncovers, you, you uncover things about yourself you, you just can't uncover by thinking. You're sitting in a chair. You know, you if you come up with an idea and you write it. It go, you go deeper and deeper into it. Right. It goes, they say, from heart through hand through pen. You know, it's 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 quite extraordinary. Also, you, I, I want to, you know, just I'm going to answer kind of, mm-hmm. in order to become a stand-up or a writer, whatever it is, this is something I also realized. 
before you even, this just goes for any arts or whatever, before you actually know you have talent, you have to believe you have talent. When I started writing, I had no idea that I was a, I could be a writer. I just thought I could be a writer. I, I, I never saw any talent to prove it. Same with stand-up. I'd never done anything and nobody in my family ever did. And I thought I could do this. I had no idea if I could do it. So the the thought precedes the actual talent. Hmm. You get the idea, you think I can do it, and then you start digging and go, you know, I was right. The whole world thought I couldn't do this, but I, I actually can do this. Hmm. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah, it is. And you're making me think of something here. A lot of times people think that writing or coming up with creative ideas or whatever, that there's no physical element to that at all. And I don't think that that's true. I really don't. And you look thin. And I know I've been listening to some of your, you know, you host a podcast. I should I should mention, watch, by the way, I listened to three episodes so far. And it's very, very good. Um, you don't know Schiff. Yes, you don't know Schiff. Right. Uh, you went through 200 names to come up with that. <laughs> you don't know Schiff. <laughs> it's, it's clever. Yeah, one of the great things is to, to be able to say something clean where they kind of, without actually saying the word. Right, right. You were mentioning in one of the episodes about how you eat a vegan diet. Yeah. And, um, you know, do you agree that there's a, you know, like Chuck Klosterman, he wrote in his book, he said, people forget that writing, you know, to sit at a typewriter or a computer is a physical act. More than maybe people would realize. Yeah, it takes stamina and strength. Right. And, um, yeah, no doubt about it. You also have, in my particular case, and I did, I lost 50 pounds years ago. I've been able to keep it off. I exercise seven days a week. And I'm a vegan, not for uh, any political or moral reasons. I'm just strictly for health. Anybody wants to eat meat or cheese or whatever they want, God bless them. I hope you live a long time. For me, it wasn't working. Right. But the exercise gives me the stamina to sit still and focus. Exercise, you know, gives you those neurons. Or, yeah! yeah. You know, they fire it up. If I'm just sitting, smoking cigarettes, and listen, a lot of great writers, you know, drank alcohol sitting there, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee. Many of them died young. Um, yeah. I believe you can get this a great effect from exercise and living fairly, you know, as clean as possible. So it is a physical. It's 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 yeah. The subtitle of the book, it has the three C's comedy, courage, chutzpah. If you could only take one of those tools to weather the storms of this life, if you imagine life like you're in a boat, you know. There, there are three great things to have, but which one do you think is the most valuable? Lessons on comedy, courage, and chutzpah. God, you know that's a you know again you did it. Um, wow. Each one represents something. You know, I don't know if if you could have a full life without all three. You need comedy in your life. Could you imagine a world with no comedians? How depressing it is this world right now. Could you imagine if you, they, they just sucked the comedy air out of it and there was, there was no more comedy? Mm. How miserable this life would be? 
And I'm not just talking about comedians, you know, that make you laugh. You know, your little kids make you, you know, whatever it is that make little kids naturally just start laughing. They think something's funny. Comedy. Courage. Takes courage to lead a full, strong life. There's no doubt about that. Um, I can't tell you, you know, I sit down to write. That takes courage. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, chutzpah is like gonads. You know, it's 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 like you ask, like you. You ask people. You have, you have some very big stars on your radio show. Woody Allen and uh, Willie Nelson, maybe, did you say? That's right. Yeah. That takes chutzpah to go over to these mega world-class stars and say, listen, would you come on my radio show, even though you probably never heard of me? Yeah. <laughs> that is chutzpah. And without that, you wouldn't be the success you were today. Thank you for saying that. I really I really appreciate it. And it's true. I mean, like, I, I'm not bragging or anything, but I've I, I I can say this because your episode we're hitting 20 years, and there have been some amazing amazing guests, you included, and uh, you know I'm not a big name or anything. Most people have never heard of me, but I do have. I'll admit, chutzpah, <laughs> because and sometimes when I am asking. I'm almost thinking as I'm asking, like, Paul, who do you think you are? <laughs> well, you know, I when I read your email to me, um, I could feel your earnestness, however you say that. And uh, I, I just got a very warm feeling from it. So uh, oh, thank you. Which is very important because you can have chutzpah. But if you don't have what goes along with it, which is warmth and sincerity and uh, some sort of humanism, they're not gonna they're not gonna respond to you. Yeah. I had the same luck as you. I mean, Catherine Hepper and the greatest actress that ever lived, won the most Academy Awards in history, became a friend of mine because I went over there one day and started talking to her. Um yeah. Anthony Hopkins, you know, Bob Dylan came to my house because I was at a nightclub one night and he was sitting there and I said, listen, you don't know who I am, but why don't you come over to my house for a cup of tea after the show? Bob Dylan in 1976, at the height of his fame, he said, all right, I'll be there. And he came over with his wife and another guy for 40 minutes to my house. <laughs> That's chutzpah. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I, I love Bob Dylan. And I'm very curious to know, being up close and, and having him over to your to to your house, was there any feeling of, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and it's like, holy cow, look at this guy. And then you sit down with him and it kind of, you, you settle down and you realize, okay, here he is. He's drinking tea, just like I am. Did you, did you get that feeling like, oh, he's just a guy? No. <laughs> um, that's a great question. And uh, the answer is no. He came to my house. <clears throat> 60 people followed him from this nightclub called The Bottom Line. And then when he saw me, he remembered what I looked like. You know, he didn't know me. And he looks at all these people and he goes, hey, man, my friend's here. I got to go, man. And he came up to my house. And he never once answered one question about himself. Hmm. All he did was he stood at a little uh, waist-high ladder. I had a little step ladder. And he kept hitting the ladder like drumming like this. And he kept asking me questions about myself. Hmm. Um, it was amazing. 
it was amazing to be in his presence. Um, you know, sometimes there's a couple of people in this world, you know, when you're in the presence of greatness, and he's one of the greatest that ever lived in the history of the world. Well and said. Freaking Beethoven over my house, you know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, so, no, I didn't feel that. But I have met other, Bruce Springsteen talks about meeting Elvis and that being a big letdown. Hmm. He climbed over the fence of Graceland when he was a kid. And he actually ended up meeting Elvis. And he said, you know, he, I think he said, don't meet your heroes because you're going to get let down most of the time. Right. Well, meeting comedians, by the way, is never generally never a letdown. No? No. When I met, I can't think of one comedian old and new that I didn't enjoy spending time with. It's just so freaking entertaining. And, uh, be able to chat with them and 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 get up close to that working funny mind. Yeah, yeah. The comedians, you you, you know, uh, I found are uh, very interesting people. More, um, you know, there's nothing. It sounds like a kind of contradiction, but there's nothing silly about comedians. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> A few of them, like Jerry Lewis and uh, a couple of these guys were always on. But hey, you know, but for the most part, um, we're trying to figure life out. We're trying to figure out what annoys us and how to make that funny. Yeah. You can't make anything funny if it doesn't annoy you. Right. And I was thinking when I was watching uh, you and Mr. Seinfeld on stage, I was thinking, how would I describe this? And I thought. It's kind of like cheerful cynicism, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Great observation. I want everybody out there to go to markshift.com, and that's spelled S-C-H-I-F-F.com, markshift.com. And when you click on the, the photos, you're going to see many, many fascinating people you've been an entertainer for a long time. And I was looking at all those pictures and I was thinking, who would Mark Schiff say the nicest person? Who was the nicest? Not the one you were in the most of, but it just amazed you. Wow. How nice. Wow. I, I, you finally have a, you asked me a question. I, you know, I can't answer that as a one person because, and mm -hmm. I've told this many times, I've been so blessed with meeting the nicest people and the people that have been so utterly kind to me. Um, I, I'm just lucky. You know, a lot of people, ah, people, ah, and you, you you find that from comedians too. They're very, ah, people, you mean, I, listen, I, I, that's not been my experience. When I started in comedy, this was the most supportive group of human beings you can ever imagine. We all had no, no careers, no nothing, but we would help each other and everybody was so nice. But I want to comment on that word nice for one second. I heard um, oh, some great writer. He said, somebody asked him a question. If you could change one thing in your life, what would that be? And he said, I would have been nicer to people when I had the opportunity to be nice. Mm. That that really resonated with me. 
He said, if I could go back to some of those situations when I had the opportunity to be nicer and more caring, I would change that. Interesting. Hmm. And that's the way I feel. Um, Not necessarily the nicest, but maybe just one that comes to mind. Like for me, I mean, there have been so many people who've been nice to me. Uh, so many, but like I think about Gene Wilder, because you know, I was just like some guy asking him for an interview, and he sat down for an hour and talked to me. Is there some somebody that just pops into your mind, like maybe from the beginning? Yeah, well, Anthony Hopkins, the great mm-hmm. actor, he was so nice when he didn't have to be. Uh, there's a story in my book about it, but. Uh, I was, it was chutzpah again. He was starring in a play called Equus on Broadway. He was the, the, the rave of, of Broadway. I mean, you know, all the Emmys and everything, you know, whatever. You know, so anyway, I went over to one day. I was in a little uh, uh, theater company. I said, listen, I'm in this little theater company. Would you come down and, and talk to the the actors? And he looks at me, he goes, who are you? So I said, my name is Mark Schiff. He goes, uh, all right. And he gives me his phone number. Now, first of all, getting a phone number from the, one of the biggest Broadway stars, you know, he'd been in huge movies. He gives me his phone there. He says, all right, call me up. So I call him up and he comes down and he brings with him uh, scenes from Chekhov plays. And he starts directing all of the, the young actors in these scenes. Then he comes down again. But where he was really, that was nice. But where he really was nice, he calls me one night around two in the morning. And he says, listen, that artistic director of yours is bad news. He's dangerous. And I'm worried about all you young actors. He goes, this guy is trouble. You got to get away from him. And none of us saw this. And then one day the guy turned on us, that artistic director started pushing people and hitting them and demeaning them. And Hopkins didn't have to do any of this. And um, we talked. And I actually became kind of friends with him and I see him occasionally and he always brings up, he goes, I'm so glad you got away from that guy. So when people of that magnitude take interest in young people, when they really don't have to strangers that have nothing to do with them, that's a nice thing. It goes beyond nice. Absolutely. You were mentioning, or we were talking about Bob Dylan earlier And one of the things that amazed me about the show at the Wang Theater in Boston is I was curious, the music, the the interludes that we all heard, was that just what the house was playing? I get the feeling that maybe it was specifically chosen. Jerry's music, uh, yeah. All the music that you hear is is a disc that Jerry and Kevin Docterman, his producer and... uh, who travels with us. There's three people that travel together, Jerry, Kevin, and myself. Kevin arranges all the flights and the hotels. And I mean, he has a staff of people doing it. All that music is put together and periodically, excuse me, Kevin and Jerry sit down and they'll change out songs that they feel. um, Because when he plays New York, New York, that's the last song you hear before the show starts. The people start clapping when they hear that. The lights go down a little. The New York, New York comes on. It's it's arousing. Jerry's Mr. New York. Yep. 
and the, the show has begun. So no, they they pay big money for those songs. Yeah, ASCAP charges a lot of money to to rent those songs out for the night. Certainly, got a freebie. Tell us some of your favorite music, just in general. Just a few. Right. Sure. Well, I'm I'm stuck in the uh, the folk folk world from way back. Bob Dylan, um, I probably listen to him practically every day for the last 50 years. So I just love it. I, I can't get enough of him. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I'm in love with. I'm in love with uh, Dean Martin, uh, the Beatles. Uh, some of the, you know, I can't really mention. Hank Williams, uh, I, I love deeply. Um, Towns Van Zant, I love people. I, I love I love songs that have important lyrics, mm. and th- that's a big thing to me. That's a big thing to me. Great choices there. We had all these labels that we put on you at the beginning. That you're a comedian, uh, an author, a writer, actor. How would you define who who is Mark Schiff at heart? That's a good question, too. Um, So, okay, so all that stuff aside, you know, like a a writer, those are are all nice things, and those are things I do. But I have a job here, and I believe there's a creator, and who I am is um, I work for the creator, and it's my job to be kind and as helpful as I can to everybody. I come across. That's my primary job. My family, my kids, my aunts, all these people. Uh, all these other things are is what I do to earn my living. Uh, and thank God I have those talents. But I have a primary purpose is basically to help other people. I love that. And by the way. When you, when, when, like, if you're in, I'm not, I'm not a priest or a rabbi, but when you're in that business, people will screw you. When you you want to be helpful, there are people who will take advantage. You have to be careful not to let that derail you from helping the next person. Because some people go, I've had it with people. I'm not going to get screwed over. And then they don't, and then they give up on helping people. There are people who need help. And uh, if somebody uh, screws you over, okay. Move on to the next person. My last question is: Let it be, it be good. You're setting this up, man. You're, <laughs> you're, this is the in, in comedy. It's called the big setup. So you are. This better be good. Okay. Are you nervous, are you nervous that I said that to you? Now I am. <laughs> uh, it's an ocean of a question in some ways because it's the most open-ended question ever. You never know who's who's watching you never know who's listening ever and it always surprises me sometimes when and who and where you know and so i just give you the microphone we're at a very uh strange time right now at least i think and um you know i i always go back to well i'll let you answer (laughs) I, i shouldn't interview myself but uh 
Mark Schiff, what would you say to anybody who's tuned in? Hmm. Good question. Hmm. That was a, that was a good one. You you really that's a good last question. That's the um, anybody's tuned in. I kind of said it already, but you know, double up on your kindness. Maybe triple up on it. Pay mega attention to your family. Uh, don't say anything that you can't take back. Hmm. It's huge. Restraint of pen and tongue. This, if I can give you any anything that will help you, it's restraint of pen and tongue. Do not send out an email or a letter that uh, you, you you know because once it's out there, you can't get it back. Uh, that nasty stuff, and um, don't say anything. That's nobody knows how stupid you are if you don't say anything. That's. <laughs> that's a good one it's a it's a very it's a very good one you managed to say something profound wise helpful and funny at the same go. time there you go well that's that's my message to people you know um can i i'll, I'll give you a little parable on that okay you All right. a second so this guy did something he said something nasty about somebody and uh, somebody said to him, you know, it's it's really not good to do this. And he, he goes, well, can, how can I take it back? You know, like, what, what can I do? And he says, I want you to do this. I want you to take a feather pillow. I want you to go up on a roof. I want you to take a knife and cut the pillow open and empty all the feathers off the roof and let them fly all over the place. And then if you've done that, I want you to collect every feather back. So once you say something to someone that's a feather pillow that's just gone out there and it's spread all over and you can't ever get them all back. So that's what to be careful about. Look at that. My watch just answered. So that that's really the the thing there. Watch what you say, especially if you're married to your wife, because they they have memories like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. <laughs> Thirty three years married, and uh, my wife's the greatest person in the world. But man, she don't forget nothing. <laughs> well, everybody out there, it's markshiff.com, S C H I F F, and also don't forget the book. Do not forget the book. It's. Why not? Lessons on comedy, courage, and chutzpah. And Mark Schiff, it's been a great pleasure. You made me laugh, you made me smile, and you made me think. Can I teach you one thing? Okay. Chutzpah. 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 Go practice and, uh, and call me in a month. <laughs> I will. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll. Rewatch and, and practice. Be well. Thank you for this opportunity. God bless and and, and and keep up the good work. God bless. Thank you, sir. All right. Until next time. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www thepaulleslie.com slash support. 
We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Premerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.